We are looking at Matthew 14 today. I think worry and fear go hand in hand. Worry and doubt go hand in hand. And the title of the message this morning, if there is one, would be, Why Did You Doubt? We're going to look at a story in Matthew 14 and see what we can learn for our lives. The setting for this story is a very interesting one. John the Baptist had just been beheaded for speaking out against King Herod's adultery. And actually, it was, it was in order to fulfill a wish of a probably like a teenage girl who, at the direction of her mother, asked for John the Baptist's head on a plate. And that was how John the Baptist was killed. And he was, remember, one of Jesus' good friends, the one who had actually baptized Jesus, and he had just been killed. Jesus, after that, went to find a quiet place to be by himself. But the crowds followed him, and he found himself with 5,000 people that were hungry. So after he gave them the bread of life, he actually gave them physical bread and fish. He fed the 5,000, and he still hadn't had time to be alone by himself, and so he sent the disciples across the Sea of Galilee in a boat, and it says he went up on the mountain to be by himself to pray. Let's pick it up in verse 22, chapter 14. Immediately he made the disciples get into the boat, and go before him to the other side, while he dismissed the crowds. And after he had dismissed the crowds, he went up on the mountain by himself to pray. When evening came, he was there alone. But the boat by this time was a long way from the land, beaten by the waves, for the wind was against them. And in the fourth watch of the night, he came to them walking on the sea, But when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were terrified and said, It is a ghost. And they cried out in fear. But immediately Jesus spoke to them, saying, Take heart, it is I, do not be afraid. And Peter answered him, Lord, if it is you, command me to come to you on the water. And he said, Come. So Peter got out of the boat and walked on the water and came to Jesus. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid, and beginning to sink, he cried out, Lord, save me. Jesus immediately reached out his hand and took hold of him, saying to him, Oh, you of little faith, why did you doubt? And when they got into the boat, the wind ceased, and those in the boat worshipped him, saying, Truly, you are the Son of God. So we see here... The disciples' response to the unknown. Um, and Peter's response to the wind, it was fear. Their response was fear. And I'm just curious whether the ghost that they saw walking to them on the water, they maybe thought that was John the Baptist. I don't know. I don't know what they believed about ghosts. Um, 
But it says they were terrified, and they cried out in fear. When Peter saw the wind and the waves, he was afraid. He cried out in fear. Fear is an unpleasant sense, but it's actually helpful. It's healthy because it warns us of danger. Okay, I think fear in the right place saves us from a lot of trouble. Um, It's a natural response, and we have to overcome it at times. It can be rational, it can be irrational. We can be afraid of things that we really do not need to be afraid of. And I'm sure we've all found ourselves there. So I would just like to take one, one minute and just reflect where you're at right now in your seat. What are the things that you're facing that might be causing that unpleasant sense of fear to come up in, your, come up in you? That sense of fear. When you look around and see the virus, how about when our cities are being burned to the ground? That can cause some fear in my heart. Um, Financial struggles, bills being due can cause fear. And this is all rational. Like This is a natural response. You shouldn't feel condemned for feeling fear about these things. Again, it warns us when things aren't right. How about you watch your children get older and you wonder what the future is going to hold for them? Or you see your parents getting older and wonder what your future is going to look like without them. These, these things cause fear. We see Jesus called Peter out of his fear into faith. When Peter cried out in fear, Jesus said, where's your faith? Why did you doubt? He called Peter out of fear of of drowning, which is really what Peter was afraid of, into his faith, which allowed him to walk on water. What a difference, you know? Excuse me. How many of you have heard of a man by the name of George Mueller? I think a lot of the school children probably have. We know him as a hero of faith who essentially walked on water um, throughout his life. Um, He used the same sort of faith it takes to walk on water to provide for his orphans and in his homes. Well, before he started an orphanage, he was a minister in London. He was actually born in Germany, but he was a minister in London. And at that time, in the early to mid-1800s, it was about 1830, he, was, he found himself pastoring a church. And the practice of the day in London was you would pay for your seat at church as a church member. And the more you paid, the better seat you got. And that's, that's how the ministers found themselves supported. And you would also give gifts to get favor. Um, and George, Mr. Mueller, did not think this was right. He said, it's not right that you pay for a seat, and the more money you have, the better seat you get. So he ran his church. He said, I'm not doing that. I'm not taking any of these gifts. You're not going to pay for a seat. You're just going to come to church. And one day, he found himself without any money. He was broke. The church was struggling financially. And he found himself before the Lord, and he said, he said, you know what? I think, I think I've gone too far in trusting the Lord for these things. I may have gone 
too far. This is not working. And he said he wrestled with the devil over these things. As he was praying, he felt the devil was wrestling with him. And he continued to pray, and he found himself strengthened in faith. And that day, uh, some wealthy lady left a lot of money for the church that, that very day. I think it was two pounds and four shillings. I have no idea how much that is, but it was more than just a couple pennies, right? Um, and so his faith was strengthened when he saw how the Lord worked that way. <clears throat> faith, is not, faith is not just hoping. It's not just believing. It's not just doing um, what you know is right. You have to combine these things. Faith is belief plus action. And we're going to see that. Um, Faith without works is dead, in James it says. You can have faith, you can believe the right things. If you don't put boots on the ground, it doesn't do anything. We're going to look at a couple examples of this. Matthew 8. Matthew chapter 8. Verses 5 to 11. When he entered Capernaum, a centurion came forward to him. I believe the centurion was a Roman soldier. Appealing to him, Lord, my servant is lying paralyzed at home, suffering terribly. And he said to him, I will come and heal him. But the centurion replied, Lord, I am not worthy to have you come under my roof, but only say the word, and my servant will be healed. For I too am a man under authority with soldiers under me. And I say to one, go, and he goes, and to another, come, and he comes. And to my servant, do this, and he does it. When Jesus heard this, he marveled and said to those who followed him, Truly I tell you, with no one in Israel have I found such faith. I tell you, many will come from east and west and recline at table with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob in the kingdom of heaven, while the sons of the kingdom will be thrown into the outer darkness. In that place, there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. And Jesus, I'm sorry, and the centurion, and to the centurion, Jesus said, Go, let it be done for you as you have believed. And the servant was healed at that very moment. You see, the centurion just didn't sit at home and think to himself, I know Jesus is able to do this. He just would. He believed it, yes. But he also sent a servant to go to Jesus. He put action behind the belief. Next chapter, Matthew 9, verses uh, 22. I'm just going to read chapter 20, or verse 22. It's the lady who came to Jesus through the crowd and thought, if I can just touch Jesus robe, I'll be made well. Jesus turned, and it's a very familiar story, so I'm not going to read it all. Jesus turned, and seeing her, he said, take heart, daughter, and then what? Your faith has made you well. Wow, that's incredible. He doesn't say, your belief He doesn't say the fact that you fought through the people to get here. It was those two things together. The woman believed enough to move her into action. 
And that's what I'd like to call us to. Faith is knowing that God is able to do it. And we know that because we can look back in our lives and we can see where he's been faithful. And we need to take time to do that. The disciples, just in the, in the previous three or four chapters, there is a long list of things that they could remember where Jesus came through. And I'm sure those things strengthened their faith. There was a blind man that was healed. There was a paralytic that was healed. Um, demons were being cast out. He had calmed the storm just a few chapters before. He had been sleeping in the boat. They woke him up, and he calmed the storm. And they said, what kind of man is this? All these things were building their faith. And I'm talking about specifically Peter, to the point that allowed him to walk on water. And so we need to take the time to look back in our lives. Just take a minute and do that right now, and think back about an instance or a situation where God came through in a way that you know only he could do that. It was not a coincidence. Just ponder on that and let that, let that build your faith while you think about it. Hebrews 11 says faith is the evidence of things hoped for and the substance of things not seen. That tells us what faith is. It's actually, so the evidence of things hoped for, if we apply that to Peter's situation, faith being the evidence, so, you know, he he had hoped to walk on the water, but the fact that he actually got out of the boat and took that first step was evidence. And that is faith. That is what faith is. George Mueller, again, um, There's a story that that a boat captain told about George. He told this story over and over again. George himself never repeated it. But the boat captain he was with that witnessed this repeated it many times. George was on a boat crossing the Atlantic going to London, going to England. And they got caught in a fog and were slowed way down. They were off schedule. They were going to be late. And George went to the bridge. He found the captain and he said, is there any chance that we're going to get to port on time? And the captain said, not at this rate. I, you know, there's the fog. We're going to be late. And George immediately started praying that the fog would lift and they would make it on time. And the captain of the boat went to follow his example and started to pray. And George said, Mr. Mueller said, don't pray. He's like, number one, you don't believe that God's going to do it. You don't believe that God's going to answer your prayer. You don't have the faith. And secondly, I believe he already has. And they went out and looked, and the fog had lifted just like that, and they made it to the port on time. And again, that story was told by the captain, not by, not by George Miller himself. But George... Mueller was not always a man of faith like that. I don't know how many of you know this about 
him. I didn't until I was studying this. He was born in 1803 in, in Germany, and his father wanted him to avoid um, World War I. And so he sent him into, into the ministry to become trained as a Lutheran minister. And, and George thought, this is fine. This is good. Lutheran ministers in that time didn't actually have to be godly. They just had to appear so. And it was just it's kind of the way it was. And so as George was training to become a minister, he became very good at stealing money. He drank a lot. He partied a lot. He himself says he was involved in gross immorality. And he actually spent some time in prison. All this, all this time he was in, in, in ministry training. And then one day, a drinking buddy of his invited him to a prayer meeting. And he said, well, I don't really have anything to lose. I might as well go. And so he went to a prayer meeting, and he was prayed for. And he said at that moment, he's like, I knew that's what I wanted. And his life changed from that moment on. And he became the hero of faith that we know today. And so maybe that gives you hope. It gives me hope um, that my faith can be as strong as that, even though I'm not perfect. Um, a lot of issues and, and a lot of times where I didn't trust, where I doubted. But again, if you look back in your life and you remember all those times that God came through and that God did exactly what he promised he would, can you hear him saying, why did you doubt? There's a, there's a little saying that goes, said the robin to the sparrow, I would really like to know why these anxious human beings rush about and worry so. Said the sparrow to the robin, friend, I think that it must be that they have no heavenly father such as cares for you and me. And, you know, that's just a, an interesting reminder that the birds don't worry. They don't care. They're taken care of. And we, who are made in the image of God, <clears throat> excuse me, don't have that kind of trust. And we get worried, worried and we get doubtful. But when we see God work, let's, let's go back to chapter 14 and just reread the last couple of verses. 32, when they got into the boat, the wind ceased, and those in the boat worshipped him, saying, truly, you are the Son of God. You see what's happening here? This, this is not original with me. And I'm, but I'm not sure who it is original with. So, But when we see God at work, our fear turns to faith, and our worry turns to worship. You see that here. All of a sudden, the last verse, 33, they worshipped him, saying, truly, you are the Son of God. What is worship? Worship is agreeing with, with God that he is who he says he is, and that what's true about him what he says is true about him is actually true. That's what we do when we sing, when we worship. We tell God who he is, what he's done for us. He already knows that. But that's worship. And when we see him working, our worry turns to worship. I 
I'm guessing the first step that Peter took out of the boat was the hardest one. When he put his leg over the side of that boat, planted his foot in the water, that was probably the hardest step. When he found out he didn't go down, you know, you can just see Peter, he probably took off. And I'm guessing every one of us has that next step of faith that we need to take. And I'm sure it's different for everyone. Whether it's in your business, in your family life, um, in a personal struggle. I think if you reflect long enough, you're going to identify that next step that you need to take. And it's going to be the hardest one. But looking back on your life, you're going to be strengthened by the way that God has come through for you in the past. Peter, by taking that step, he was getting closer to Jesus, right? So your next step is going to take you closer to Jesus. My next step, it's all about getting closer to him. And sometimes that step looks scary. It might look foolish. It might look impossible. But can you hear Jesus say to you, why did you doubt? I have a song I discovered this week. It was new for me, but we're going to play it. Um, Just sit in your seat, close your eyes, and reflect on this song, and I hope it's a blessing.